Good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast. Uh, this is Adam Harrison from Birdwood Guitars, and uh, I'm very happy to uh, be speaking to another superstar. How are you, Ben? This is Ben C.B. Giddy Baker from, of course, C.B. Giddy. I'm doing good, Adam. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate, you're, you're very, very welcome. It's It's been a... Uh, it's been interesting trying to trying to tee up um, interviews from Australia here with people in the states because it, it's got a. I kind of have about a one hour window in the mornings on a Sunday in between running off to the shops and doing all of the, um, doing all the uh, I suppose the uh, the normal stuff because by the time it gets to the afternoon for me it's usually well and truly uh, middle of the night for you guys. So um, thanks very much for um, for finding the time this morning. And you're you're in between you're in between places at the moment you're just saying you're, you're, you're kind of living out of a camper at the moment yeah we're we're living in a camper for a couple of weeks here in between houses so things have been a little uh a little it's been a bit of upheaval we could say but doing uh doing my best to keep it all together yeah and it's so it's you and the how many kids have you got you've got the you and the wife and just one eight-year-old boy yeah. named Kieran. Uh, and just the kids just need to run and run and run and run and run. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I think you're doing very, very well in those situations. So where where are you? Um, where are you moving? You staying in the same town, or are you moving out out of town? Actually, actually moving closer to CB Giddy headquarters. We're only going to be about five minutes away now. Oh, that's going to um, make that's going to make life. We'll be. Easy. It'll be a blessing in some ways. <laughs> in most ways, I'd say. You won't be able to. Uh, you won't be able to escape the office though as easily, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the few downsides, but it, it's going to be all good. It's a rather big building too. It's it's uh, from from memory. It's uh, it's 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 a large. It's a quite a large red brick building, isn't it? It's, it's historic. Yes, the mill that that we're in there is. Uh, it's quite large, and it's been added on to over the years. I've got one chunk of it but there are a lot of other businesses in there you know kind of small startup style businesses so it's kind of neat being a part of a community like that yeah and the 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 area that you're in is it a resident is it uh, is it a um is it a shopping area or is it an industrial area it's more towards residential the the mill is kind of the only industrial structure left in that area yeah, yeah. And do you, yeah. Do you find, there were more in the past. Yeah. Are you becoming part of the local kind of scene? I suppose because it's quite an inch. It's not. It's not like having a florist. It's not like having a you know a, a butcher or a um, you know a furniture store. Having kind of a it's it's quite eclectic. The idea of of, of what you're doing is it is it becoming kind of part of the neighbourhood, as such. Not really, uh, you know, because I don't have a retail, walk-in retail store or anything. Yeah. And I've never really advertised anything locally um, because we've always been online, e-commerce, you yeah. know. Uh, so it's, we're not really set up to handle walk-in retail yeah. business. And sometimes people do show up at random and yeah. <laughs> we're always a little confused about what to do. <laughs> I tell you what, though, that's not a bad idea having a retail front frontage for it because I can imagine Glenn there. I think Glenn would be perfect for that. He's just such a people person, isn't he? I think you'd make a million. You'd make a mozza. Yeah, yeah, he'd be good at it. Well, he has he has experience in the service uh, industry, so he could certainly. Uh, but you know, it, it seems like these days that the investment and the time and the effort that goes into opening a brick and mortar retail store, when everything seems to be going in the other direction to mm. online i just it's hard to justify you know making doing all of that work basically to, to make that happen i absolutely agree with you even from even from my um 
from my little, very, very small, much smaller kind of base of operations here at Casa Harrison, um, when I think about, you know, because at the moment I'm a, um, I'm a full-time teacher and I, I do this as my, as, you know, at the moment it's, you know, if I'm doing the air quotes, it's the other job. Um, you know, I'm basically pulling two full-time jobs doing this and doing the, and doing teaching. Um, and the, the love of doing what I'm doing now with, with the guitars is, is pushing me to want to open a shop or do something like that. But when you look at the logistics and the, and the financial commitment in actually opening, as you were saying, a, a bricks and mortar store, uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's pushing me to think, to rethink and to think, well, you know, it's, it's better to stay at home in a way. So it's, I, I completely, uh, I completely agree with that. So I suppose that some other, some other, um, uh, podcasts, they, they like to use the term the way back machine. I'm not going to use the way back machine, but it's, what's the CB Giddy story? Where, where do we, where does, where does Ben, where does Ben learn about cigar box guitars and where does it all begin? Well, it started back in the summer of 2008, uh, some friends of mine were in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and found somebody there selling canjos. You know, a beer can on a stick, diatonic fretting, one string. And they they knew I was in I was into bluegrass at that time, pretty big. And they thought, oh, Ben might like this. You know, pick out a little tune on it. So they bought one for like twenty five bucks or something, and brought it back to me. And you know, gave it to me. I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting and played, you know, picked out a little tune on it. And the next logical leap was, well, heck, I could build one of these, you know? And uh, so I got online and started searching for canjos and couldn't really find much, but I found cigar box guitars and started researching that, got into built uh, several, a few of those and then later in that year, I think in late December, Shane started Cigar Box Nation. And I got into that and, and getting to know members of the community there. And and it just uh, kind of, you know, I got more and more into it as a hobby. But as a hobby, it, it was kind of expensive, you know, yeah. having to buy parts. And at that time, buy, there were pretty much two suppliers Stuart mcdonald and luthier's mercantile yeah. something or other mm-hmm. um Both and everything just seems big dollars yeah. everything just seems so expensive you know i was like why is this so much so i i figured out that i could buy fret wire in bulk cut it up into smaller sets and resell those sets on ebay for a small profit but that that could kind of fund my own building mm. hobby uh, you know, I take the proceeds and buy other parts and such. And so I started doing that and kind of letting people know. And then somebody would say, boy, I wish you could get brass grommets. You know, if you could get brass grommets, I, I could use them. And then it was, you know, I, I wish you could get brass box corners or or these open gear tuners. And, and so I started finding suppliers for these things and started adding them to the eBay lineup and then launched my own website, cbgiddy.com and just kept adding more stuff <laughs> as time went on, more styles of fret wire, you know, more tuners and machine heads and pickups and pizos and jacks and electronics. So it's really kind of been an organic growth. I didn't enter into this thinking I'm going to have a cigar box guitar Superstore website, you know, it, it, it's grown by accumulation, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. And with 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 the businesses such, it's it's when you look on the videos, when you look at all the the, the the videos that you do, it's it seems like quite a large quite a large large area. How did you end up going into going from being uh, I suppose an at home. Um, how do you say an at-home eBay business into moving into uh, moving up? Because I'm sure a lot of people are in a similar situation to me, where we're thinking we're we're at-home builders, but we kind of we want to you know increase what we're doing. We want to get bigger, if you want to say that. Yeah. How, how did you go from being a little uh, a little at-home business into where you've where you've gotten to now? Well, the main driver of it was that I wanted. 
a manufacturing. I wanted a, a wood shop. I wanted the tools and the stuff that you need to be able to make things. So I'm not just importing parts and reselling them, but we're actually making stuff, instruments, but also you know parts and and things as well. Um, so starting off in my basement, space was very limited. Outgrew that, and then moved into a smaller building, um, and a good bit more room in that building, but not enough room for the manufacturing side that I wanted. I really wanted a full wood shop, and that building just couldn't handle it. So kind of on a whim, I went and looked in, at the space in the mill, and it was just, it was huge. I mean, massive. And like, I could never fill this. I'd never need all this space. It's too much money. How on earth would I, uh, would this ever work? And somehow, a couple months later, I was moving in. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but as to the how, I, I've, you know, with CB Giddy, there's never been a huge leap of any sort. You know, I, I haven't. Taken on a bunch of debt or or made a, a huge one-time investment. It's just kind of grown by accumulation. Mm. Um, I, I let as it's grown. I, I try to make it pay for itself. You yeah. know, when it's making enough money, then can take the next step and the next step. So uh, I don't have any economics or accounting or or business background, but just tried to take a what I think hopefully is a common sense approach yeah. to it, not bite off too much at any one time. It seems like a very organic growth. It seems that as as, as you were uh, increasing in sales volume, you've been able to look at where to funnel those funds into actually in, increasing the size of the business. And I suppose, as, you, as you're saying, when you moved into that shop and it was, it seemed so large, I suppose it's better to have too much room than, than not enough. I mean, I, I, I think back to what I've got again and I think, you know, okay, well, I've really got to try and manage my small amount of room as best yeah. I can, which is basically a hole under the house. And I kind, of, I kind of, when I look at those videos that you've got there, and I look at the shop floor, and I look at the, you know, and I, and I do, I look at the benches, and I look at Farley's bench, and I'm sitting there going, geez, that's a great looking bench, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good setup there. I could really go and do something with that setup, you know. And then you turn the corner, and there's Glenn's bench, and you're thinking, geez, how big is this place? It's huge. Um, and that's the really, I think the, the shop floor part of it, when you, when, when you're doing a lot of the videos that you've done, um, and I, I definitely suggest that people get onto, um, if you haven't had a chance, um, where, where can people see most of, most of your videos? Cause I know you've, you've got YouTube, but we tend to see a lot more nowadays, not so much through YouTube, but through more through Facebook now, don't we? Yeah. All of the stuff, the live broadcasts that we do start off on Facebook uh, on the Cigar Box Nation page. So it's facebook.com slash Cigar Box Nation. Um, the most recent ones are on there, but all of them are archived there in the videos section. So that's where, and then after we do a Facebook live broadcast, then we upload it to YouTube, usually yeah. after the fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are a lot of people are going in that direction. Even with you know, even with myself, I I have a I have a YouTube channel as well. But there's a lot more reach in a way. I think through through Facebook, and I think the um, it's a very practical type, especially with live. Do, do you you do a little bit of the the live broadcasts every now and again as well? Is that the, is that the... well? We're doing we do them. That's the Giddy Gang show every Friday that we're doing is a live broadcast. And then we do some other ones intermittently during the week as well. Shane does some from down in Pennsylvania. Yeah. We do some from BHQ. Uh, we had uh, Three Strings Steven was in the, the studio last week or the week before. We did a live concert broadcast on the Nation page of him. So it's, it's really a great tool for, you know... Uh, the way I look at how that is to be used is, you know, yeah, we do some advertising and promotion of the business, but for me, the mission has really become reaching new people, bringing new people in 
and spreading the word that anyone anywhere can build their own instrument and make music on it. Yeah. That's become the real core mission. And the, the business and all of that is kind of a support system for that mission. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day as well, I think some people jump up and down and say, and, you know, and they hammer on people who are doing self-promotion. And they, you say, oh, well, you're just promoting yourself and you're just doing this. Well, hello, it's a business. You know, it's just, this is yeah. what I don't understand. And, you know, and I think there is this, I don't want to use the word divide because I don't think there's a divide, but there is in some cases uh, some separation between your hardcore, and I use the term hardcore, um, your hardcore, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, for lack of finding the proper word, you know, you need to go out and you need to find an old box and you need to find a, an old railroad sleeper or a fence post and you, can, you can't use mechanical machine heads. You've got to just use a <laughs> stick or a piece of dowel and you can't use yeah. string. You've got to use fence wire, you, you know, and that's a real cigar box guitar. And, you know, and there are those enthusiasts. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I look at those types of instruments, I sometimes see them through... I'm just trying, trying to remember... Um, I... Charles Atchison, every now and, he do, now and again he does this, competi this competition on Facebook where he, he has these wonderful old, uh, you know, wonderful um, cigar box guitars and he has a competition where everyone basically has to make a guitar not, not using, you know, modern, modern equipment or anything like that. And I love them. I think they're, they're absolutely beautiful in their own right. But I don't think they're better. I don't think they're worse. I just think they're, they're their own creation. Um, and, you know, and coming back to that idea yeah. of, of promoting, well, you know, I think you'd be an idiot not to promote your business if you're putting all of this time and effort into, into A, putting on a very entertaining show, let's be honest. I mean, it, it's great. It's, it's, I've watched the show quite a few times. I tried to go in for that competition to win that guitar, and I didn't win it. I was very upset. And, <laughs> and it, was, it was just a, uh, it's a wonderful program. It's a lot of fun, um, you know, and you do get some wonderful guests on. And we, I know we see, you know, we see, um, we see Glenn on there and, and we see Farley on there and we see yourself. And the three of you seem to have such a lovely, lovely chemistry together when, you, when you're, um, you know, when, you, when you're doing the show. Farley still looks a bit nervous after all this time. Um, and then on top of that, you've got all these amazing... <laughs> she's, she's coming along. She's coming along. <laughs> you've got all these amazing guests who are so talented and they're so, you know... So who cares if you're saying, you know, well, this is brought to you by CB Giddy. Well, thank you, CB Giddy, because it's a really enjoyable show. And, like, I, I mean, I don't get anything out of saying this, but I hope what happens is that some other people around the world, if they're listening to this, they get you know they can get off their bums and have a little look and say, oh well, I might try that, and it is a lot of fun. I, I find it it's it's interesting for me because being in Australia, it, there's obviously a very strong focus on uh, American uh, American root songs or American um, uh, you know historical songs and things like that, and. In Australia, it's, yep. it's it's a little hard in Australia to kind of to uh, to I don't want to use the word get behind it because it's not part of our culture. But when you see the songs and the songs in a way that we in Australia also, you know, I don't know about the rest of the world, but we've kind of grown up on Yankee Doodle Dandy a little bit and seeing all of the old movies from the forties and the fifties, and so we know it. You know, we can we can hear those songs and we, we know it. And, and it's not the Americana side of it because that's not what we're, not in Australia, what we're into so much. But hearing those brute songs and those old songs, it's kind of inspiring to think, I wonder what we could do with, you know, some old, you know, some old convict songs or some old, you know, some of our old songs as well. And I'm hoping that maybe if people are watching what you do over here, that maybe someone can get behind it and say, well, you know, maybe we should push some of our, you know, some of our songs, or in, over in the UK, maybe they could look at that and go, well, there's people like, um, you know, John, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name, it escaped me. Um, too early in the morning for me, yeah. then. Chicken, chicken, chicken Bone, bone John, John, or yeah. uh, Hollow Belly. That's it, that's it. And, you know, and so there's, the every country in the world has got its own, uh, its own, you know, songs from history. And I just, I love the fact that you're really pushing what you do and, and pushing that, I suppose the history of your country, you know, and you're kind of promoting that through the songs and through the music, and that's that's a really a lovely thing. Um, 
so isn't that funny? I've just got because um, I'm using the. Uh, sorry, I, I looked off screen then for a second, and Keith Crumley came up with a message on my um, on the top of the iPad <laughs> for a second. He's just he's a lovely guy. He just gets behind everything everyone does. He's just he's just lovely. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I just I just really honestly suggest that people get behind the show. And you've got a big production setup there. You did a three sixty shot re- just recently. Well, it- that 360 shot kind of showed people that it's not as big as it might seem. It's really quite a small room. <laughs> that one side of it is a stage, the other side is is the the little uh, you know computer desk area. Uh, but it, it works really well. We've got sound, you know, some sound baffling up, so it, it makes a nice little studio room for that kind of show. Uh, but yeah, that 360 shot, that was Glenn's idea. He wanted to do that and it came out really well. Um, and yeah, and it shows what, what we've got there. Well, what, what made me laugh when I saw that shot, you said it was Glenn's idea, but the funny thing about that photo, if you go back and have a look, is Glenn walking through the door and it looks like he's been caught off guard. Yeah, well, it was a little, it was a little stage. I'll say a little bit of planning went into how everybody was going to look. We didn't plan that half of Nick was going to be cut off, though. Facebook, uh, because you you take a bunch of pictures all the way around and then Facebook stitches them all together. And uh, somehow when it was stitching, Nick's lower half uh, was dropped out. So... (laughs) It'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> so what happened to the rest of me? <laughs> now, we're talking about Nick, and we're talking about Farley, and we're talking about Glenn. How did you, how did you catch up, get, get, get all of these amazing people involved? How many, I suppose the better question is maybe how many people have you got working for you at CB Giddy now? Uh, all told, I think, 14 15 we've got about 10 full-time people and then a few part-time people that kind of come in and out uh as needed and as they're able yeah so it's it's grown into a you know decent sized crew there um a lot of the a lot of the people that work for me now were either friends of mine or friends of friends that have come in um or people that i got to know uh, elsewhere and then you know they either left the job they were at and needed work or you know something happened and i said well come on by and let's see where you fit in and so it's it's worked out pretty well yeah it looks Got like a great great group of people yeah well it looks like a very happy family in there with with the different departments what how many different departments have you got in there at cb giddy well we don't we don't have a there's not a, an awful lot of what you call corporate structure <laughs> or uh, such things but uh, in general there's the manufacturing department where you know the shop and where things are made and that includes the CNC laser and the electronics area where everything's soldered up then there's the packing department where uh, they take stuff from basically from big bags and put them into little bags um, and get it, basically package everything up and get it ready to be shipped out. Then there's the shipping department where orders are, are printed out every day and picked and packed and shipped. Uh, and then there's kind of admin, I guess you could say, me and Nick and uh, Glenn to some extent now because he's more on the admin side than out in the shop. Yeah. Uh, and he's also taking on uh, some sales uh, duties. Uh, helping to build the educational outreach program that oh, we're wonderful. reaching out to teachers and educators. Well, can we um, can we find so, out more about that in a little bit? So we'll we'll come back to that because I'd be very interested in finding. We'll come back to that if that's okay because I'd be yeah. very interested in finding out um, more uh, about that side of things. So please continue. Sorry. Oh well, that's pretty much it. Then there's uh, there's theoretically a publishing department but that's pretty much just me uh there's theoretically a video production department but that's kind of me and nick and <laughs> so there's a bunch of pseudo departments but uh, the ones i mentioned are the main ones manufacturing packing shipping and then yeah. admin well the thing that from my point of view from from any time that 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 i've ordered product from you um 
I was always, and it, even coming to Australia, I was always very impressed with how quickly came, things came through to me. I was very impressed with how well things, you know, were packed uh, as well. And from that point of view, it's 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 an indication of how well organised. I know you you kind of come across as saying, well, it's a little bit, you know, it's it's a little bit relaxed and everything, but I, I think to receive things so quickly you know here and it, it's so well packaged and it's so well put together um there was ne- there's never an issue with with a tuner missing or a bushing missing or even a screw missing from a tuner set there has to be some sort of really good organization involved in that and you know and that's that's a good indication of a good company who who are behind their product and who are actually you know who are actually care about the people they're actually sending their, you know, their products out to. I mean, I know every company can have a, you know, everyone makes a boo-boo every now and again. It's, it's inevitable. Oh, sure. You know, it's inevitable. Well, all you can do, you know, there's always going to be, a, there's always going to be mistakes on occasion and we just do our best to make it right. Yeah. If there's a problem, we reship or, or refund or whatever it takes yeah. to make it right and, and make the customer happy. So that's all you can do, isn't it? <laughs> So with pretty this, much, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, I, th- I think a happy customer is a customer who's going to um, who's going to come back. Uh, I think a happy customer is somebody who's also going to you know meet a friend and say, oh, you know, I I built this guitar. What do you think? Oh, I love that. Oh, can I give it a go? All right, well, go and order something from Ben. You know, go and order something from, you know, from from you know whichever company they were ordering from. The happy customer is always going to come back, and I think that's 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 yeah. the important thing. <laughs> Getting back to this, this you mentioned that Glenn was involved in an educational type of program with schools and things. What's actually happening with what's actually happening with that? Because I, I have, um, uh, I know the people who listen to the podcast know that I've I've got a group that I work with at my school at my because I, I I'm a year four teacher. I work at a um, at a primary school, and um, the primary school in Australia is kindy kindergarten through to year six. So that's that's our primary our primary school. I'm a, I'm a year four teacher uh, this year, um, but I actually work with a group of kids ranging from year four through to year six. Um, and a lot of these kids are you know are, are kids who've had a pretty tough life, and you know things don't come easily for them. And you know we're building cigar box guitars and and just having an absolute ball doing it. What I strongly I have a very strong ethos of of. of if you can teach, then teach. If you can get it out there and pay it forward, uh, I've got. Don't get me wrong. I've got nothing. I don't have anything against people going out and doing, um, you know, pay for, uh, you know, lessons and things like that, where they organise for people. I've even thought about it myself, where you organise a group of ten people, get, you know, they pay and you provide all the equipment, and and that's great. I have no issue with that at all. But the idea of actually being able to give back to your community somehow, and especially through the use of, through the creation of a musical instrument, which is, you know, which is just such a wonderful thing. Um, I'm all behind that. So how how are you guys going behind going going about doing that? Well, we've had teachers come to us uh, over the years. Quite a few uh, teachers have approached us uh, wanting to build instruments with their students in their classrooms. Uh, from science teachers who are looking to study the physics of sound to art teachers, music teachers, shop teachers. Um, So that's kind of happened organically over the years, and I've talked with some of them, and the impression I've gotten is that there is a lot of potential there uh, for actively reaching out and trying to reach educators to present this idea to them that, hey, here's something you can do. Over here in the States, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but there's a a big push and focus on what's called STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah, very much so. Um, And it turns out that building a cigar box guitar covers a good few of of the the points in that, you know, for that program. Yeah. and so what we're working on is actively reaching out to teachers and attending conferences and ongoing education uh, seminars and trying to create the materials to make it as easy as possible. The lesson plans and the study guides so that we can say to a teacher, here, 
here is everything you need uh, to to teach this, to do a section on this, and you know we we're flexible on the 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 funding side. You know we can take a PO from a a school's uh, accounting office or yeah. or different things with that. Give them advice on how to try to write a grant. So it, it's really a big focus of, of ours right now is to because I believe that. You know, if a child, if a kid builds an instrument, they're going to have a deeper connection to it than if you just hand them something pre-made. Oh, definitely. And if you if you can make that deeper connection at that age, it has a chance of, of staying and, and turning into something more. So it, mm. it's really an exciting thing. Oh, it is. I think the other thing is that is... Um you know, that, that, that sense of accomplishment, of actually having started something from the very beginning um, and developed it, you know, planned it, planned where you, what you're going to do, where you're going to put the particulars, you know, on, on, that, on that instrument and then ending up with a, with a finished product. And, uh, you know, and I remember um, towards the end of last year uh, with one of, one of my boys, uh, you know, in the group and... Um, his mum came up to me after school and she just, she was so thankful. She just said, he, he's he, like, he's never, he's never had the chance to complete anything or, you know, he's, this is the first thing he's actually completed. And, um, and this was, and, you know, he had the option of actually putting on, um, you know, leaving it fretless or actually putting on bamboo frets because we, we're just, you know, we're using bamboo frets at the moment and the poor yeah. little guy, you know, and bamboo frets are merciless. <laughs> it's like having yeah, a... That's... It's like having a scalloped, scalloped fretboard. It's just, it's especially on little hands and things like that. And I said, "Are you sure? Because we can do a slide." And he said, "No, I want a slide too." He said, "But I, you know, I want to be able to fret it." So now all of the kids, they've all gotten behind it. They're all doing these damn bamboo frets, and I'm thinking, "Oh crikey!" And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm. I'm too wary at the moment with their skills in sawing to actually bring in my, you know, because I've got a really nice Sheffield, you know, fret saw, and I'm, I'm really worried about bringing in that, you know, bringing that fret saw in and just letting him, letting him go for it. And you know, I just thought, oh, yeah. look, I think we'll we'll stick with these at the moment, and they, but they're really happy, and you know, and, and that feeling of well, you know, it's funny on the forums and on Facebook, I see. People asking, "Hey, what can I use for frets? You know, other than actual frets? Yeah. And you know, a finishing nail, toothpicks, copper wire wrapped around the neck, all these different things, which do work. Yeah. You know, or can work. I always, you know, I, I say try it. You'll probably only ever try it once. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll come back to actual fret wire because there's a reason." That it's been developed over the hundreds of years that it's you know it's been in use. Well, I remember but, uh, um, I've got that beautiful book um, by the Mulhollands uh, about uh, Ed Ed Stilly, and um, yeah. I keep going back to the J frets that he used on those old guitars. And uh, oh yeah, this uh, I don't know whether you own the book, but it's just the it's just the most it's the most beautiful book, and it's 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 kind of got pride of place in my collection and. Um, yeah, every now and again, you'll see one of the guitars will come up on on some of those, you know, some of the Facebook Facebook groups and things like that, like you know, ugly guitars and all that sort of stuff, and people going, you know, what, you know, oh, what was he thinking? But they don't know the story behind it, so I always try and make sure, try and make sure that I jump on and go, oh, by the way, here's the book, go and find out about it. And this, like, he's just such an inspirational story of a guy who. Regardless of the religious side of the story, because there, you know, I'm, I'm not an overly religious person, and I know there's a lot of people out there who aren't. There are a lot of people out there who are, and that's all good. And I just each to their own and, and respect to everybody. But for even from my point of view, where I'm not necessarily very religious, I, I love the story and I love the belief that he had, and I love the fact that on every single one of his guitars, I don't think you have to be a really religious person just to kind of get behind the message of peace that he had. On each of those instruments, he's inscribed. I'm just trying to remember now that the, the actual words, um, true, something like true faith, have faith in God, or, or true faith, or something like that. But I think true faith, true light, something, yeah, something, yeah, something like, like that. that. And I just, and he did that on pretty much every single instrument that he did with a, with a hand router, you know. And it's just, and, and 
yeah, the guitars are, you know, they're, they're, they're rough and they're primitive and they're, you know, there's some, but there's something about, they're so honest. They're incredible. Like they're just, it, it, if someone said to me, oh, look, you know, you can, here, here's a, you know, you, you got a choice. You can have a, like a brand new Ibanez, you know, no offense to Ibanez, I've got one, but you know, you can have a brand, you know, you can have a brand new Ibanez Prestige or would you like one of these, you know, Ed Stilly guitars? I take the Stilly guitar any day of the week because there's just such a story yeah. behind it. And I think, I think that, I think that connects so beautifully to, you know, to what we do with the cigar box guitars, which is just creating an instrument in reality, kind of out of, you know, out of, out of nothing, you know, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so, well, you, you mentioned the, the primitive, uh, you know, the, the primitive builds earlier. And in some ways, all of the modern stuff now that is available, the hardtail bridges and the sealed gear tuners and the pre-wired humbucker harnesses and, it, it's easier than ever to build a guitar or a cigar box guitar because there is access to low, fairly low cost stuff. And there's some amazing, well, <laughs> the stuff you're building and, and Rob Roble and so many other builders building beautiful high end things. I try to gently advise people that once in a while take a step back from that and make one out of trash. You know, make one out of stuff that was never meant to be on a guitar. Just, yeah. just, just as a reminder of where it all comes from. You yeah. know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I remember doing. I, I every now and again, I'll because you know I do. You know, I, I kind of when I first started out myself, I, I, I started out with that mentality. It was all very much. I'm using a lot more steel bridges and things because I like the, I think the ability to, to intonate it's a, a lot a lot better. Um, yeah. But the other thing is that the it's easy to earth them, whereas when you do the you know when especially if you want to use a magnetic pickup and you want to earth earth the bridge, it's it's yeah. it is a heck of a lot easier to 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 run that cable through from the inside of the box to underneath the um you know to underneath the uh, the, the the steel bridge, but yeah. at the same time, you know it's not it's not too difficult to create a you know a, a timber free floating bridge you know just use a piece of nickel fret wire on the top but you've just got to drill a hole through that and then through the box itself but you've just got to be a little bit more specific about where you put it because you kind of then you want right. to you know i know i'm showing you but you know if, if that's the hole and that's the bridge you know you're basically going to be moving on that fulcrum point if you want if you will that's that's where you're going to have to find that that balance because when you're playing with a slide on a fretless instrument, you, you still need to adjust the bridge depending on the way you hold your hand and the way you hold the slide. Because if you hold the slide on an angle, you're going to have to adjust the bridge to compensate for that. Otherwise, it's going to, yeah. it's going to be discordant. It's going to, sound out of, it's going to sound out of tune when, you, when you're fretting the note. So, and that's, right. I think, you know, some people say, I've had situations where people buy a guitar from me and I get a phone call or I'll get a, oh, you know, oh, the bridge fell off, the bridge fell off. I said, well, yeah, did you take all the strings off at once? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if you have a little look, there's a little pencil mark on the box. That's where the bridge is meant to go because you, you still need to you need to adjust that. It's not just a case of just glue a piece of wood there and, and the, for the bridge and then glue, you know, glue the nut in up there. You actually, you actually have to adjust that bridge to, you know, dependent on how you hold the slide. You know, because some people mm. will hold the slide perfectly perpendicular to the strings, and other people, you know, might have. See, I have a bit of an angle when I hold the string. When I when I hold my slide, it's not perpendicular to the strings. I've got to adjust my bridge to compensate a little bit for that. You know, so, and it is trial and error. They're a complicated yeah. instrument. Like if you, you know, I know they look like a primitive instrument, but the the physics behind. The cigar box guitar isn't greatly different to the physics behind, you know, a, a, a Gibson or a Fender or any stringed a violin, any stringed instrument. The, yeah. There are rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the one thing I always thought when I first. Well, they all go back to the same principles. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. They're all. We. Yeah, we say there are no rules, but you know, for an instrument to function, there are a few 
pretty firm guidelines. Yes. You know, you can't. You know, it shouldn't implode under its own tension. Is a, is a good one. I like to tell people. Well, it's a, it's not good when you end up with the when we end up with the uh, with a bow and arrow type of shape on your neck. No, that's not a good thing. Your your, te- yeah. your string tension might be too high. You know, don't tune the low E to high E. You know, little things like that. Right. <laughs> you know, it's and I, I and that I think that. That came for me. I think that's that's still one of the the biggest learning curves for me. And I've I've been building for going on to four years now for cigar box guitars and a little longer from making electric because I made a few electric guitars before I got into uh, cigar box guitars. And um, even after probably around about three hundred and I must be somewhere around about the three hundred and. 40 to 350 guitars at this stage of my cigar box guitar building career I still I'm still trying to find that magic uh, that magic um, combination of strings I'm still trying to find that oh, magic yeah. you know and it's um, depending on if I want to tune a guitar to D or if it, depending on if I want to tune a guitar to G you know, because I, I know that if I if I put a set of D's on, it's going. To, I'm going to end up. You know, you know, to string a guitar initially D A D. It's going to be it's going to be difficult then to go to G to open G for G D G, because you're either going to end up with strings that are very sloppy and loose, or you're going to end, tune it up and you're going to end up with strings that are ridiculously yeah. tight and you're going to bow the neck. Because yeah. most of us yeah, don't. Pushing use, a, sorry. Pushing an open D set all the way up to open G is yeah. fraught with peril. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, two things, one for the neck and one for your eyes if the uh, string snaps, which invariably it probably will. So you do, yeah, and, and I think for, for people who are buying guitars at markets and things like that, I mean, usually what I do is string them to open G because I think everybody yeah. out there, even Glenn, when he does his videos, Glenn will say, well, I'm in open D, uh, I'm in open G. All right, well, you know, and the majority of videos out there are, um, are like that and there's people here... Well, not here, but there's people around who, uh, Nigel McTrustry, who's a very well-known cigar box guitar builder here in Australia and, and performer, um, he quite often, he I like what he does because he does get on and he does do songs in open A or he'll do songs in open E and he'll, he'll show, you don't just have to stick with G, but he will explain, okay, well, this is open A, but I, I think people get confused about the idea of this, oh, once I've strung up my guitar this set of strings is going to do me for any tuning I want. Mm. You know, and it's not. This is why, people, you need to go out and you need to buy more than one cigar box guitar if you're listening, okay? You need to buy more. <laughs> you need to buy, buy a guitar that's going to do open G, open D, open E, open, open F, open A. But don't do open <laughs> B because no one likes open B. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you're performing, if you're using a cigar box guitar in performing and you're singing, um, you know, open G, I know with me, I can't sing every song in open G. Yeah. It's my, my voice just won't get there. So having one nearby that's maybe an open C or B flat yeah. or, or D, and then, you know, for those songs, do them on that, it, it, it can be... A, now, I... I tend more towards fretted instruments because that's what my background is. Yeah. So when I'm playing a fretted cigar box guitar, I've learned the chord forms so that I can play in other keys yeah. on a cigar box guitar that's tuned to open G. Yeah, so what's I your fa- what's your favorite tuning? Form. My favorite tuning? Yeah. It is open G, GDG. It is. <laughs> that's That's the one that... That I, you know, the cigar box guitars that I have in my own personal collection that I play regularly are yeah. all open G. And right. it's funny for a long time because I come from a conventional guitar background. I took six string guitar lessons, and and for a long time I I, I didn't really I kind of looked down on GDG yeah. tuning because so I was like, well, why wouldn't you do GBE so you can use partial six string chords yeah. or you know, something like that, or why wouldn't you do GBD so you, you have the full G major chord, yeah. not a power chord, 151. But then once I tried a guitar tuned with GDG, 
it just seemed to click mm. with my fingers, with my brain. Yeah. It's like the notes were were just kind of there, and I could start picking out tunes. And so now I'm a I'm I'm a convert. I'm a big fan of. And now and now of course and now of course when you watch Glenn's one finger one finger song videos, you can just follow along with him and with his one finger. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I say, I I tend to, to finger chords, um, you know, multi-finger chords. Yeah. Uh, what Shane calls, I'm not sure why, but he calls them lush chords. Um, I'm not sure if he's commenting on my uh, drinking habits or my <laughs> playing style, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, for such a simple thing, it is extremely versatile and powerful what yeah. you can do with it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and and I'm in the process of now at the moment with Shane. We've been kind of because I know with with yourself, we've kind of been bouncing back and forwards trying to lock in today to to, to actually have a chat. But everyone's kind of been all over the place, and I know Shane's yeah, currently well, recording. And I apologize. This oh. this whole move thing has just completely thrown me off my normal. Uh, <laughs> predictable patterns up to <laughs> oh forget about it mate forget about it it's it, you know and i know shane at the moment shane was holding up one of his cds last night i've, I've, I've got it yeah uh, when i got the message through i was almost off to uh, you know all, all counting you know counting sheep almost so um you know he's holding up he's holding up the cd so he's it's that's very exciting that shane's you know it, it kind of nearing you know the, the maybe the end end of his recording process hopefully Fingers well, yeah crossed, friday so. Uh, Yesterday was the mastering. They mastered it and mixed it. Uh, he sent me the mastered tracks. Yeah. I listened to the first six. So I've listened to just over half of the new album so oh. far. He sent them. Any, any, uh, uh, any, any clues you can give us so far? Are you excited by the sound of it? I am excited. It's a, it, it, He's kind of going in some new directions. Still got that jug band feel but yeah. he's definitely exploring some new grounds and and there's some great uh, great stuff on there I that's think, exciting i think yeah he, he's he's done a hell of a job with it yep i just i still want to and i've only listened to half of it you know yeah. i've still got the other half to listen to that's very exciting. I just, I, I'm a huge fan of Shane. I just, one of the things I love about Shane is just his, his, just rampant enthusiasm for what he does. And I, I'm really looking yeah. forward to, um, to chatting with him in the near future. You know, it's, this is, this for me is a wonderful vehicle. The podcast is a wonderful vehicle for kind of spreading, you know, spreading the word of cigar box guitars and spreading the word, you know, just spreading the name of. Of all of these people, including yourself, these wonderful people who are out there in our community who are, you know, promote. You know, it's all about promoting you guys. This 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 thing. But when it comes to people, you know, like like Shane, who are just so utterly enthusiastic, it's it's a very selfish thing on my part. But I get to talk to you guys directly, you know. And for me, it's you know, it's growing up on you know White Snake and and Megadeth and Metallica and all of these. And then over the last few years, building this this wonderful anthology that I've got in my iTunes collection now of, you know, um, of these amazing musicians that I'd only heard of off in the, you know, off in the off in the recesses of, you know, of whatever. Um, you know, I've, I've just come across the last couple of days, Hound Dog Taylor, you know, and discovering, you know, I'm still discovering all of these names and all of these people. I put a Facebook quote up the other, uh, I think yesterday morning, saying I must have been living under a rock. I've only just discovered and all of these wonderful people out there in, in Never Never Land, you, you know, Facebook land are all so supportive. Oh, you know, that's great. Oh, welcome to, welcome to the club, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and, but for me, being able to talk to people, you know, like yourself, being able to talk to people like, you know, Shane Spiel in the next... That's my dog. If you can hear that rattling, uh, give me two... I'm going to get my dog because he's going to drive me nuts now. He's, he needs to get out. Two seconds, Ben. Sorry. All right. Come on. Come on. <coughs> Come on. This is the famous prince. This is the famous prince. Oh, all right. Say, hi, Ben. Hi Ben. <laughs> My dog's sitting on the uh, sitting on the rug in the porch here. <laughs> well, he's not being good for the moment. He's a little nutbag, you know. And I've been able to talk to people like on the podcast, like Nigel McTrusty, who I'm such a huge fan of here in Australia. And um, but also people like Justin Johnson. I've been able to talk to people like uh, Mike, um, you know, Mike Snowden. 
Um, you know, these yeah. are all these are all my new superstars. You know, these are all the people that you know. I listen to the albums and I listen to the, you know, to the songs. And so being able to talk to people, you know, someone like yourself is is just you know, it's a wonderful thing. So, you know, get out there and make podcasts, people. We need more of them. Um, we've just discovered. Um, I'm trying. I'm got to try and get the name of the other podcast that I. Um, oh, what was it? It was the digital. Oh, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, I'm usually so very, very organised, not. And, um, you know, that's all right. I'll just, I'll have to find it later. It's, there's other podcasts out there that deal with cigar box guitars, you know. And I think we need more. The more, the more of these things that we, I don't want to have a, a monopoly on it. I certainly don't want to have a monopoly on it. Um, but there are so many just wonderful people out there who are, you know, who are recording um, podcasts about guitars and things like that, uh, you know, standard guitars. But I think yeah. we need more of this. And I think what you're doing with, you know, with with your fa- with your Facebook channel uh, and and the show, which is called, it is the Giddy Gang Show. The Giddy every Gang Friday show. at two p.m. It's U.S. One- Eastern Time. It's wonderful. And even for people who aren't in the States, we can still get behind it uh, and, and watch it because you've got it on... It's on Facebook still. It's archived, as you were saying, and it's also on uh, on YouTube. And this particular podcast will, will actually go up this afternoon or tonight. Okay. I usually post them on, um, on Sunday evenings. Um, I suppose we're kind of coming to the wrap-up now, and I usually wrap up with... Uh, I usually wrap up with two questions, and All right. the two questions would be: What's the first one here? What's your top tip? Yeah, as someone in the industry, someone who is a premier, the, I suppose the premier um, or the most known uh, of the Scarbox guitar suppliers, <laughs> are they arguably the best known? I suppose. <laughs> um, Mark, Mark, who I occasionally do the podcast over here, Mark's from um, MRWS. He, he, <laughs> he may disagree, but that's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's your top tip for, for beginning builders? My top tip, and I, I, I say this one a lot, don't get too hung up about doing it right. Because if you're having fun, you're doing it right. That's a very good tip. It does, you know what I mean. It doesn't have to be perfect. It, you don't have to get the, the the Bible of of how to build. You know, there is no one right way. So don't get too hung up about doing it the right way. Maybe that should be the new rule. Instead of saying there are no rules, you know, maybe maybe that should be the new rule. You know, there is no right way. <laughs> You know, maybe that's it. Because I, I, I do disagree with the thought that there are no rules. I think there are rules because, you know, as it comes down to physics. The, the, and... only, the only rules are the ones you set for yourself. Yeah. So well, have it. as many rules as you want, but that's make it. sure you're still having fun. <laughs> that's another one. And I suppose what's, regardless of whether you're talking in the shop or what you, just in life, what's, what's, I suppose, well, in life when it comes to building cigarettes guitars, because that's what we're here about, um, What's your secret weapon? Hmm. Well, I try to keep an open mind. I, I, I've never been much of a purist or, and never really had much use for purists. We kind of touched on that earlier. Like, if somebody's telling you, you're doing it wrong because you're using power tools or you're doing it wrong because of this or that, you know, Curiosity, not being afraid to make a mistake. Often what you learn from a mistake or how you correct it ends up being better than if you had never made the mistake at all. Uh, And that's especially true with cigar box guitars. Sometimes you cut too far or too deep or or drill through and, oh, now i got to cover this. And what you end up doing to correct that mistake makes... A, a more, you know, something more artistic or mm. or more impressive. So uh, don't don't be afraid to be curious and uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. And that's what stickers are for, for covering over holes. So <laughs> yeah, sticker. <laughs> Absolutely. A very carefully placed CB Giddy oh. sticker on the back of your guitar will hide that hole, that, that drill-through point. <laughs> 
I did that once. I had a, um, I, I built it. I got a, um, a, a box of, um, a box of cigar boxes from, from, from somewhere. I can't remember where. And in one of the boxes was a, this, this beat up old Romeo and Juliet box. And it was, you know, it was half covered in mold. It, the paper was tearing off. It had one of those horrible cancer warning stickers over the top oh, of it. Yeah. And I ripped that because I hate that. I ripped that off because I'm a non-smoker. I don't smoke. And at the end of the day, I, I always figure from my point of view, if I don't smoke, I shouldn't have to look at those bloody stickers all over the place. I hate them. You know, because there's a, that bloke's toe that's hanging off by a you know, gangly thread or something. I don't want to see that. I don't smoke. It doesn't bother me. So I ripped that thing right. off and I paper all over the place. And I just, I must admit, I'd just gotten a, um, I'd gotten something from, from, from Justin Johnson. And in his pack, he, came, he had a few stickers and things like that. And I remember this thing that I built because I built it out of an old, um, I think it was an old bed, uh, bed slat for the neck. And, and I had an old handle for the top of it. I thought I'll make it look like an Ibanez gem, you know. So I'll put a handle on the top of it, and I, and I had this. Just, it was just this absolutely gnarly instrument, which I absolutely, absolutely loved. And I stuck in this flat, this this flat pickup into it, and and it just sounded like just it was so beat up. Then it was cut all of the holes. It had these holes all over it. I stuck all these stickers all over the holes and covered it up. <laughs> And it was—it's probably one of the most commented guitars that that I actually have ever built. And um, I ended up um, selling it to a, a friend of mine who does markets. And he said, "Oh, can I buy it off you?" Because he he buys guitars for me, and he sells them at he sells them at markets. And um, and I sold it to him, and he said the guy that bought it, he said, was just beside himself. He absolutely loved it. So go figure. Wow. You know, it's just yeah. one of the, and this thing you just you you. you you would have thought that it was you'd found it down in the backyard and it had been rained on for six weeks and who knows yeah <laughs> well see that you know you can't you can't fake that you can't fake that making do uh, patched up banged together jerry rig you, you know that something about that comes through yeah and and it, it's an amazing thing uh, I do have another question. I know I used I finished with our. Oops, sorry, I'm kicking tables here. I do finish. I, I usually finish with those two questions, but I, I must ask. I haven't asked a, probably the most important question of the whole day. PZO pickups or magnetic pickups? What's your favourite and why? Yes, absolutely yes. <laughs> so you're sitting on the fence on that uh, one, eh? <laughs> when I build guitars for myself, I put PZO pickups in them. Usually without a volume control, yeah. I might put a little 0.01 microfarad capacitor uh, from hot to ground on the jack just to bring some of that high end treble off. Yeah. Uh, but I I like I like the piezo. Yeah. You know, it's on stage they can be you know if you're building a stage ready instrument then you should probably put a preamp in. Yeah. Just so it can be toned down and controlled yeah. a little better. But, I'm, I'm uh, not a fan of. I suppose from my point of view, I'm not a fan of preamps. I find in the boxes or in the cigar box, I find them quite clunky and quite heavy. Okay. Um, now that's just me. That's that's just the just the way I am. So I tend to when I'm building, I usually um, if I'm doing a piezo that uh, equipped guitar that I'm intending on selling for stage use. Um, what I'll tend to do with yeah. that is uh, usually include a volume and a tone control. And I usually find that th uh, because of where I, I place my piezo, which is which is basically um, an amalgamation of things that I've learned from uh, from John. Um... See, it's too early in the morning for me, Ben. I do... <laughs> I'm having trouble with John Nickel. John Nickel. So John Nickel yeah. and Mike Snowden. Kind of the way I do mine now is kind of an amalgamation. Uh, connection between what they do and, and ways that I've done in the past and I've found now that the tone out of my pickups is just monstrous but it needs that um, it, it needs that uh, the volume and the tone just to rein it in a little bit but I actually find I've been able to push um, push the volume on these things really high get a bit of distortion happening with them um, and just just using that tone control has been great but I do love be um, uh, I do love uh, Shane's um, Shane's use of the uh, the the preamp box, and yeah. I think that's quite a clever thing because I think that gets that gets that that clunkiness from my point of view out of the out of the out of the instrument itself. 
Because uh, I just find them a bit ungainly, yeah. that's all. Um, the, the problem with that, though, is that anytime you have something between you and the amplifier, mm. the further it is from the pickup, the more likely that you're going to start picking up radio stations and stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Not always, and and yeah. I don't, I can't tell you what the science is that makes it happen sometimes and not others. Yeah, just why same way I can't always explain why one pickup will buzz and one won't. Yeah, when everything seems identical, you know, there's some some arcane voodoo yeah. to it, but. Uh, well, I think if anyone's buying a cigar box guitar and they and they're expecting it to sound like you know a, a, a you know a, a top of the line Les Paul or something like that or an Ibanez which is you know which is fully earthed and fully grounded and it's got the you know it's got the yeah. cage around the you know the the I think you're barking up the wrong tree. I think when you're getting a, a roots instrument, when you you are looking at those, you are looking at picking up those little that, those little idiosyncrasies, that little buzz that you might get, that little that, you know and how do you get sixty cycle hum in a piezo pickup? You know, it's it's those quirky little those quirky little things. But I do find that when you have a volume and a, and a tone, you can take it off a little bit. Or you can adjust it slightly. You know, yeah. you can play around with it. And and even last night, well, er, earlier sorry. when I said I I don't put volume a volume pod in when I'm building one for myself, it's because I mostly play acoustic. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I don't often plug in, so I don't worry about it. Yeah. But yeah, you're right that having the volume on there so you can dial it in, and then the tone, yeah. uh, which which kind of can be an arcane subject for people of how, how to properly do a tone pot, especially on a piezo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it definitely helps tame it, yeah, no question. I think the big thing with people is get out there and get yourself a soldering iron and just start practicing. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's a heap of now you've got I mean you you of course at CB Giddy you've got the you've got the the pre done you know you've got the pre done uh, harnesses for people so they can actually yeah. go out and buy a harness install that but what they can do when they get it from you as well is they can look at how you've put that together. You can actually see, oh, okay, I can see where he's got the capacitor. I can see where he's got the lead coming from. Oh, there's the earth. You know, I can see that. So next time I'm right. going to build one myself and I can order all of the parts and I'm going to do it myself. Because let's be honest, it's a little bit cheaper when you order order the parts. Because oh, there's, there's sure, time yeah, and effort that goes into put for you guys actually creating, you know, uh, organising and creating those those things. But the more you do yourself as a builder, the better that you get. And that's the thing, I suppose. That's that's. Well, we come to the end of the show, um, Ben. I just uh, thank you so much. I know this has just been an absolutely hectic time for you, and I know you've, you're doing a show at the moment. Is Glenn off doing? Glenn's off doing actually a show at the moment, uh, uh, a concert or something without you. Is that right at the moment? Did I notice see something on Facebook with that? Or no, not uh, not today. That's going to be a week from today. Oh. Uh, there's a there's a maker fair that that. Glenn's going to be taking the lead on. Oh, fantastic. Because um, it's a day after it. We're going to be actively moving yeah. on that day. But I'm going to try to get there for a couple of hours, and Glenn's going to, some other of the Giddy crew is going to show up. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Oh, uh, that's just, well, that's wonderful, mate. I just, look, I just, I wish you all the best. I wish you all the success in the world with the with the move that you're doing and getting closer to work. Don't spend too much time at work. I know it's, it's, it's more of a hobby than a job, isn't it? <laughs> But oh, I wish I wish you all the best. Sixty to eighty hours a week is is pretty normal, I'd yeah. say. <laughs> Even you know this many years in, I'm still at it uh, an awful lot. Yeah, well, mate, you still Keep got your hair. Going, you still got it, your hair, so be thankful. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Adam. This has been great. I've really enjoyed it. No worries, mate. Thank all right. You for well, having me. All the best here. Now, where again? Where can we find you, Ben? Uh, well, you can uh, find CB Giddy at www.cbgitty.com. Excellent, mate. And you can find me, old Adam Harrison at Birdwood Guitars, um, just basically everywhere. Are you doing Instagram? Uh, we, we have one. We don't do a lot on it. Cigarbox Nation has an Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't been doing much with it. I, trying to keep up with all of the different platforms is... <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a never-ending battle. It's a job in itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, mate. Well, all the best. Thank you again. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening to the Cigar Box Guitar Builder podcast. As always, it's been Adam Harrison, and I've been here with Ben Giddy, Ben C B Giddy Baker from C B Giddy. All the best. All Bye. right. Thank you.